Have you ever wondered, how can I make a comeback? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. This is 48 Days Radio, where every week we take 48 minutes and unpack your questions, looking at ideas, technology, systems, methods we can use to help each other raise our success. But the real life kind of questions, how can you get more out of life? How can you experience more not only in your work, but financially, physically, spiritually, relationship-wise, all those things are legitimate questions. We're going to look at some today. Our corporate sponsor today is Harry's, but I'm titling our theme for today, How Can I Make a Comeback? Got some questions that relate to that. Here are are a couple that we'll be dealing with. Dan, I'm now 54 years old and I've lost all my retirement and savings. I do not own a home or land. It goes on from there. Here's the very next question I got. Hi, Dan, I'm 54 years old. And so unhappy with my work in corporate America for 30 plus years, I desperately want to make a change and pursue my gifts and passions. You know, it just struck me as interesting that the very first two questions I opened up today were I'm 54 years old. Well, that that's a good time to be taking a fresh look where you are, what you want to do, but it's not like you've missed your window of opportunity. It's too late. You can't do anything. No, at that point, you should have enough information about yourself to be able to ask intelligent questions. And from that, take a fresh look at what do you have to offer? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? And then go into the most productive 20 years of your life. That's the way it ought to happen. Well, here's another one. My daughter just graduated from high school. So now we're dealing with a 17 or 18 year old. Though she's been mindful of finding a career, vocation, business, she's still not hearing or sensing any particular calling. What do you do if when you're 18 years old and you really don't have any idea what you want to be when you grow up? Well, all of a sudden you're 54 years old, then you get a chance to take another look at it. It's an ongoing process, but we'll look at that a little more carefully. Dan, how can I get paid a reasonable fee for my art? Got several questions today that deal with that. Things that are more in a creative space. How do you price that when it's not just you put in your time and get paid so much per hour? It really has some other components. What you're doing represents what you may have taken years and years to develop. So it ought to be have a different kind of value, totally different kind of value. Well, our quotation today comes from Derek Sivers, who is just a brilliant thinker. If you ever have a chance to hear him or read some of his books, I mean, go to Amazon, look at the things that he's written. They're all brilliant. But Derek Sivers, he's a guy that started CD Baby, started it just to have a place to sell his own music, and then had some friends saying, well, gee, I'd like to have my mine available for people as well. And he built that into a very large company, sold it for millions of dollars, gave the money away, and continues to live very, very simply. But just a really intriguing guy. Derek said, if more information were the answer we'd all be billionaires and have perfect abs well i've just gotten back from a month of traveling going to some awesome conferences i'll tell you a little bit more about that but um, attended new media europe in london 
and then uh, just recently podcast movement this last week in Chicago. But that, that is certainly true. If more information were the answer, we'd all be billionaires and have perfect abs. Well, I want to mention my friends at Harry's. You know that I start my day off every day shaving with my Harry's razor. Just an amazing experience. You know, it's one of those things that we as guys do. It's not particularly something we probably look forward to, but it's like brushing your teeth. It's a great way to feel good and look good, ready to start the day. And I know that usually the experience is to go to the drugstore, look at those high-priced things behind a plexiglass case. You don't have to do that. With Harry's, you can get them shipped right to you. You get those German-engineered five-blade cartridges for a close, comfortable shave. Factory direct prices come. They cut out the middleman. They own the factory. They're selling their blades at what's going to be half the price of the leading brands. So you can start off. With a set called the Truman, it's a great option for new customers, an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. Plus, there's a special offer for you fans of 48 Days. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase when you visit harrys.com slash 48 days. So just go to harrys.com slash 48 days right now to redeem your offer. Well, I want to go through some success stories. We always have fun going through those. Got some things here. Justin Gentry has shared in the 48days.net community that he's, he says, I'm having a great time with my new podcast, The Life Coaching Show. It's all about self-improvement, helping my listeners close the gaps in seven key areas of life. The great news is this gives me an opportunity to bring on guests like you to share your area of specialty. Are you interested in being a potential guest in the show? Now he goes through that and you can, you can find it. I'll put a link in, but you can go to Justin Gentry, dot C-O slash contact. But if you're interested in being a guest, now I recommend that you do that. I mean, that's a great way to build your own platform. If you're starting out in any kind of a business, get on as a guest on podcast And then you can give people a call to action, give them some kind of a lead pages where you give them some kind of a bonus where you get their contact information You can start to build your audience. And we've had some people that have built massive audiences very, very quickly, where if you just do it organically, having your own website up, doing your own blog, doing your own podcast, it could take years. But if you get out there, connect, link arms with other people already in the game, you can take advantage of their audiences, share those audiences. You know, I had a guy, I had lunch with a guy in Chicago. Just before I move on, I want to share this. He was at our most recent coaching with excellence event that we have here at the sanctuary. So he looks around the room and he sees sitting in the participant seats, people like Mike Kim, Jody Mayberry, Carrie Oberbrunner, Ken Davis, Ray Edwards. These were not speakers. These were people who were attending the event. And he was like, what's up with that? These guys are very successful. And they're sitting here in Dan's event, not even having a chance to speak, but just participating. And I says, you know what? That's exactly how we do it. That's how we all help each other. He was blown away at the sense of sharing, how we so readily share each other's resources. How I continue, you know, to point you to other places like this. I mean, here's here's a life coaching podcast. Yeah, go be a guest on Justin's show. You know, show up at Ken Davis's events. Got some others here I want to talk to you about, but th- that's how we do it. But 
it's not competition, it's collaboration. If you come into the business arena with the idea of competition, where you're going to somehow crush everybody who's in the same business, you're going to fail. That just doesn't work. That's an old mentality. The way we accelerate success is by helping those who are doing exactly the same thing we are. Now, you could take issue with that, but it certainly worked well for me and a whole lot of people whose names I've just mentioned and a whole lot more. I mean, the kind of things that Dave Ramsey and I have done over the years where uh, Dave and I shared resources, have referred people each other's way for years and years and years. Has it helped each of us individually? Yes, I would say so. Well, anyway, check out Justin. Be a guest on his podcast if it's something that fits for you. A couple other events coming up. Podcasting A to Z. Another person that you hear me talk about a lot, Cliff Ravenscraft. Podcasting A to Z. If you want to know how to have your own podcast, go through Cliff's class. I mean, don't make it complicated. Don't try to figure it out over a long period of time. He's got his next class starting August 1st. Just go to Podcasting A to Z. A T O Z podcasting a to z.com and then use 48 days as a code you'll get a hundred dollar discount on his uh amazing course that he's got podcasting a to z ken julian's got a speak it forward boot camp coming up you hear me talk about ken a lot speak it forward if you want to be a speaker want to be paid for that want to have that be part of your multiple streams streams of income I highly recommend his Speak It Forward Boot Camp. Next one is coming up real quick, July 21st to the 23rd. Go to speakitforward.com. Again, use 48 days. You'll get a discount on that. I mean, it, just the way we help each other. Well, here's a note from Eileen. says, uh, Dan, I know you receive hundreds of emails a day, but I wanted to take a moment to personally thank you for all you do. Your knowledge, your products, the quotes and inspirational stories that you share, the great and creative advice that you provide for your audience has been truly life-changing for me. I've been listening to your podcast since September of 2014, and I've never been disappointed with your advice and unique perspective on things. Your content has expanded my thinking of the world and has dramatically helped me grow in maturity. Now listen to this. I own several of your products and I'm currently working through the 48 Days book. I'm on only day 20, but with the tweaks I've made to my resume and the time I've spent on personal reflection, I've already obtained seven interviews from jobs I applied to. One of them I'm really excited about. I can't wait to see the results at the end of my 48 days. In fact, I'm so inspired and excited by my results that I'd like to host a 48-day seminar for my local community. I had originally planned on creating my own lesson plan, but I see you already sell seminar kits on your website. Is there any way I could contact you for more details on conducting these seminars? I'd like to represent your product in the best possible way. Thanks again for all you do. And I'd love to chat more about setting up a 48 day seminar in Fort Worth, Texas. Eileen. Well, Eileen, thank you for your note. I'm thrilled that you've taken the action that you obviously have. I mean, you're, you're the hero of the story here. I'm just a guide. That's all I can do is provide the information. Again, like we, in our quotation, if information were the key, we'd all have perfect abs and be billionaires. It, but it's the people who take the information, understand it, and apply it. And you've obviously done that. Congratulations. Yeah, I'd be delighted to, to talk to you. If you go to, actually, the best link really is to go to 48days.com slash acres, A-C-R-E-S, 
That'll take you right to the information about being our business partner to help present the seminars. We want to bring on a thousand people to help us do that. I think we're at about 200 at this point, people who are in fact engaged in presenting seminars where they live. And we want that to be a very financially profitable venture for you as well. So you can talk to Dr. Terry Hathaway on our team here. He'll, he coordinates all the activity in that area, but just go to 48 days.com slash acres. Noel says, and I'm an avid listener of the podcast. I'll never miss an episode. I love the show. So see, keep coming up with great episodes. I'm writing you because I know that you're a voracious reader, much like myself. And you've always inspired me with the lessons you impart about life, career, and success. I've just released my first book called from garbage to gold, how to punch failure in the gut and live a totally awesome life. And I was wondering if you might like it. It's about defining failure, knowing why we fear it, why we fail and how to turn them to golden nuggets of opportunities. So he provided a link there. We check it, check it out. Um, gar- from garbage to gold. I think it's a free Kindle that you can get. So check out Noel's book. I, I saw the biography, Noel, that you've got on your book site there. Noel was a husband, father, writer, performance coach, and self-proclaimed failureologist whose mission is to help people understand, overcome, and capitalize on failure through inspiring articles and exceptional one-on-one coaching sessions. Failureologist. Man, that's got to be a great, that's a great word. That sounds like some real fancy title on somebody who studies failure and how we can benefit from it rather than being victimized. Love it. Love it. Hey, got one more note here, and then we'll, we'll do our little success song. This, this came from Kevin. Just, just a thought. You guys respond as well. Check out what Kevin has to say. Dan, I think a great idea would be to do an extra podcast at least once a month that would be 48 minutes of just success stories. I think you probably have plenty of material in the email or at 48days.net that would make up this extra podcast. All righty. There you go. Well, I get that request a lot. You know, I used to always just have questions. And of course the questions usually are with struggles and challenges. And then I had a few people who suggested, golly, does anybody ever make it to success? And I thought, Oh my gosh, it was like one of those V8 moments for me, slap my head on the forehead. I get those letters of success every day, tons of them. And for me not to be sharing them really did short circuit the process where you have the impression that gee, everybody's just struggling. No, there's all kinds of people who are rocking and rolling right now, taking advantage of opportunities, whether it's in a traditional job or becoming a consultant or moving out as an entrepreneur on their own, doing something on their own, starting a podcast. I mean, we have lots of those stories. So yeah, that's not a bad idea at all. And I may in fact consider that. I mean, not committed to that because I'm not committed to doing another podcast necessarily, but we, we may look at that. Uh, we have archives full of thousands of success stories. And if those would be inspiring, yeah, let me know that, you know, shoot a note to me at askdan at 48days.com. If you think that would be a, a cool idea, if you do listen to yet another podcast, well, Hey, as we are talking about that, want to just bring this up and remind you, yeah, these are real success stories from people. I love including those every week. If you got a success story, just uh, shoot it to me. The easiest way is just to go to or just to send it to ask 
Dan at 48days.com. You can go to 48days.com, the site, click on the Ask Dan link there, the tab, and it'll open up a little box where you can submit it there as well. Or leave it in an audio form if you can be short and to the point as well. Well, hey, let's move into the rest of the questions that we've got here. Got a lot of fun things that we want to cover today. Dan, I love your work and appreciate the great advice you give out every week. My question is, should I start my own business? I work in the IT field with a small IT consulting firm that has great potential, but is always moderately successful. I'm the primary consultant besides the owner's wife and a couple temps. I work mostly from home, which is great. I'm paid a percentage, like 50 or 60% of a billable hour, much like a contract worker is paid. I've been with the company for over six years and also function like a business partner with the owner. Besides technical work, I sometimes help build out new business offerings and getting new customers. But this business development work isn't billable, so I don't get paid for it. I can do this for myself and make much more money, but there are always big risk. All right, let's stop on that one for a little bit. So he's working really as a contractor already, not as an employee. So he's in that in-between space already and is asking, should he go out on his own? Now, when you go out on your own, there are additional things that have to be dealt with. A lot of people are technicians, meaning let's take somebody who I've got some people working on the sanctuary right now. So let's take somebody who is a carpenter. So he's really great at framing out windows and measuring and cutting and doing the installations and all of that. Let's say that guy decides he's just going to, instead of just being paid for the work that he does, he's just going to start his own company. Hmm. All right. Now he's going to have to deal with the marketing, developing a name and a reputation for himself, talking to customers, maybe talking to 10 customers to get three that actually commit to have work done going to have to then file invoices, hope to get paid on that. He's going to have to look at workers comp. If he's going to have employees, he's going to have to deal with that, get an EIN number from the government, start filing his own sales tax, income tax reports from that. I mean, a lot of things change when you go out in business for yourself. Am I discouraging that? Absolutely not. Just be realistic about what that's going to entail. Now, here's what you got to do. And what I would encourage, what I would encourage you to do, Dobie, on this, create a business plan. I mean, there's no risk to that. It's no big deal. Just create a business plan. So you really walk it through. I'll put a link to a business plan in the show notes today. If you go to, if you're in, I know if you go to 48days.net, if you're a member of that community, you can just go to the bottom of the opening page and look at useful resources. And there's a link there for it but I've got a business planning guide. It's totally free. Be delighted to get that to anybody. So I'll just make that PDF available in a business plan. I'll give you a quick overview of what you're going to need to look at. You want to have an overview of your business, a little bit about, you know, ask, asking, answering questions like this. What is our wow? What is it that you can be really good at? What is something that's fresh, innovative, or memorable about what you're doing? Where do you want to go? How are you going to get there? You got to create a plan. You want to look at, you know, what, what, how is my business connected to my own purpose and calling? How am I going to handle taxes, insurance, and retirement? What about health insurance? Is your spouse supportive? How can you overcome that if he or she is not? Why are you in business? 
It's not just to make money. That, that's a side effect of being in business. Is it to control your own time and work hours, to help people, to serve your community? I mean, be realistic about why are you in business? What services do customers ask for that you see are not being offered? What is it that you're going to try to do better than the competition? And then you want to go through you know, a description of what business you would have. Name of the business, unique services offered, hours of operation, how would your customers view your business, what are your business's six greatest strengths, what are your six greatest challenges, who is the market? You know, describe your market. Who would be a ty- an ideal customer for you? What's the size, location, age, geographic description of your customers, their income level, age, social status? Who are other competitors, other people in business doing what it is that you would want to do? What do they have as advantages over you in terms of pricing, location, reputation? I mean, I'm just going to hit some highlights here. You then do a, a financial plan for what it is that the business has to accomplish. You know, how, how are you going to structure it? Is it going to be a sole proprietorship, a partnership, an S corp, C corp, LLC? What would happen if you were no longer around? What's your exit plan? If you started a business, how would you get out of that? If you're going to have somebody else work with you, you know, what's their exit plan? And then again, the financial data. And what are the streams of income that you would have in your business? How would you price those? What new equipment are you going to need to get in the next three years to operate your business well? How much revenue can you generate per square foot if you've got a physical facility? I mean, that's really important. If you're doing something where you have a bricks and mortar place, how much are you going to generate per square foot? Back years ago, when I was in the health and fitness industry, I helped a lot of owners convert part of their property from handball to aerobic classes. Now think about that because when you have a a handball court, you have a whole lot of square footage that's tied up with two people at a time. Wow. We can take that same square footage and put 30 gals in there doing an aerobics class. That's a dramatic increase in potential of revenue. And I helped a whole lot of owners do those kind of changes to understand the value of square footage in terms of revenue projection. Well, anyway, those are some of the things that, that you would, you would want to go through in a business plan. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Go through that and then decide, is it time for you to go out on on your own? Maybe it is, but you may decide that's pretty nice just being able to focus in on what it is that you do really well and get paid for just that. Adam says, Dan, I have an opportunity to work for somebody as a type of a contractor doing one-on-one coaching to help high school athletes get recruited to play their sport in college. Uh, this gentleman has been doing this for 10, 18 years. He has a very strong name brand. We're in the beginning stages of talking about what it would look like working for him, but he would pay me a percentage of the fee for each new client I gave him. He said I could do as little or as much as I wanted during the process. I could walk the client through the whole process myself once I really learned his system, or I could simply hand off the client and just collect my cut. A mentor of mine suggested trying to work it out. So if I refer a client to him, I get paid. But if I gain my own client, I would pay him a percentage of the whole fee so I can use his database and system. 
That sounds great to me and is something that I want to do, but I also want to do the Dan Miller approach, putting on seminars, writing books, speaking, having masterminds. Would you have any advice on how to work for someone else and still build my own brand on the same market? Thanks for your input. Yeah, great question, Adam. And and you're we've got a, a spectrum, a continuum of possibilities here as you've laid them out. One, you would not be an employee where you're simply going to work for somebody and get paid by the hour. You're already in that in-between space. You would be an independent contractor or a freelancer where you're simply going to be paid commission on people that you brought into his system. Very legitimate setup to do that. And you can do well. You can just focus on doing just that. However, if you're going to move into that space where you're providing the actual coaching as he is doing now, yeah, that does make more of a gray area. What you want to do, what you want to do in this whole thing is be fair and ethical. Don't get in with him, learn his system, learn his context, learn his marketing approach, and then just take that with you and now do it on your own. That just simply is not reasonable. Don't do that. Don't be a jerk about it. But if your goal is to eventually be doing this on your own, then I would encourage you to go ahead and start your own business now. If you want to have coaching seminars, workshops, and those kind of things being part of that, and you do need to be mentored by somebody, just make it very clear that's what you're doing. You are going to refer people to him. Yes, you'll get a commission on that, but you do also want to walk through the process so you can learn that so that you make it clear from the very outset, your goal is to a year from now or whatever time period is comfortable for you. You do want to have your own business doing exactly that. We, we have a very close example of this in the coaching that we do here. So we have a lot of people come through coaching with excellence. The reason I started coaching training is because people were asking me, Dan, how can I do what you've done with coaching? And sometimes they were very hesitant about letting me know they really wanted to do exactly what I'm doing. My approach was never, oh, don't do that. You know, you're going to encroach on my territory. No, my approach has always been, how can I help you? Because the needs are so massive. Monica never scratched the tip of the iceberg in terms of coaching needs. So sure, I don't mind at all helping you be successful in coaching. And we've had lots of coaches come through who are extremely successful, more successful than I in that coaching space. And a lot of times the way they start is this. They come through coaching with excellence. We pour into them, help them get set up, help them with website, strategy, marketing, positioning, all those kind of things. And we refer clients to them. We get a lot of requests for coaching just because of our visibility at 48 days. So we refer clients to them. They do pay us a referral fee on those clients, but they may after six months not have room in their schedule for the referrals that we would give them. And they simply let us know that, or they may get clear in a direction they're going. And Kent Julian's an example. I just mentioned his speak it forward. We used to send, I mean, Kent was golly, you know, like early thirties when he decided he wanted to leave his position as a youth pastor and move into this coaching speaking arena. Wow. We poured into Kent, helped him develop exactly where he was going. And we referred him all kinds of people now, all kinds, I mean, lots of people, not all kinds, because what I referred to him were all those 
20, 30 year olds coming to us saying, gee, I'm in a ministry position, but I really want to see if I can't look at some other options. It's not what I expected it to be. Help me look at some other options. Whoa, that's a great match for Kent Julian. And we sent all those people to Kent just without question. So we filled his schedule. Kent, after coaching a couple years, realized he loves speaking. He loves being in front of a group. He moved more into the speaking arena and at this point does no coaching at all. He moved into the speaking expertise, booking himself lots of places and also having these events where he now trains other people. And of course you hear me promote what he's doing. He's speaking for boot camp. go to Kent. So it's a way that he aligned himself with us to learn what we were doing, but it was a very fair system all the way along. We referred those people to him. He gave us a coaching commission as long as he, but we were very clear that he was building his own business. And at this point we have no financial connection and overlap with him at all. Love to see that, but just, just be clear at the outset, what it is that you want to do and move into that. Okay. Now this, this one is where I got this. How can I make a comeback? We're going to call this gentleman Al. Okay. Let's call him Al who says I'm now 54 years old and have lost all my retirement and savings. I do not own a home or land. I do not have a safe car that I can drive on the road. I have tendonitis in my wrist from a factory job, which limits jobs that I can do now. I've been riding a bicycle an average of 3000 miles a year, even in winter for about five years now. I've been picking up aluminum and tin cans for income, making only a few hundred dollars a year. How can I land a job with such a bad work history the last five years? I have to be able to get employment to live. How can I get to a job in pouring rain or on real nasty winter days? I have to be able to turn this around just to survive. And he adds, P.S. It's worth noting my work history most of my life is pretty good. And I've had some amazing experiences with hobbies. All right, Al, let's just stop in your tracks and look at your options. 54 years old, lost all your retirement and savings, some limitations, don't have assets, don't have a car, you're riding a bike, you have tendonitis. Okay, let's get all those things out of the way. You've got to start making a list of what assets you do have. What is it that is unique about you? What is it that you can bring to the table that gives you extraordinary value? It may be that you're really great with customer service. It may be that you're great with Excel spreadsheets or data input, or you understand how to market on Facebook and connect with people there. I mean, there's got to be something. I mean, if you focus on your limitations, you're dead in the water and certainly unappealing to anybody who may be looking, considering bringing you on board. You've got to get past that. Find what is it that you have that, does have value so you can hold your head high shoulders back smile on your face confidence in your voice when you talk to somebody about how you could bring value to their company or their team now i grant the kind of things that you describe as limitations here i already sent you the book 48 low or no cost business ideas that has helped so many people stimulate their ideas, stir the cobwebs, help them get some ideas for things they might do. Things in there like being a caricature artist. 
and things like Jim Hodges reading old history books, just reading them, making audio books for homeschoolers. And he makes over a hundred thousand dollars a year. He's very open about that. You know, I, I talk in there about people that have kettle corn, you know, that amazing popcorn. I know it's probably laden with caramel and sugar or whatever that makes it so stinking good. But you know, those people show up at a weekend carnival of some kind, make kettle corn. There's always a long line there and they walk away with a couple thousand bucks, you know, piano tuner, real specialized, something that somebody could do. Bicycle repair and service. I mean, when my son, Jared was 14 years old, he worked on bicycles. It doesn't require travel. You could do it in your own neighborhood, provide free pickup and delivery, you know, and Jared was making two, $300 a week when he was a 14 year old kid. I mean, graffiti removal. I mean, I could see you doing something like that. You could ride your bike to areas where there's a lot of graffiti. You're the guy that removes that. You don't have set hours. You can do it at your own pace. And you simply tell somebody, you know, for $200, you'll cover the graffiti. And you'll, for $200 a month, you'll be responsible for keeping it clean. I talk about times when we lived over in Wilson Pike here in Franklin, Tennessee, and there's a, a couple one-lane underpasses under the railroad track on that road. It's a really beautiful road. A lot of bikers are out there. But people would take advantage of those, the sides of the underpass, because there were big concrete walls and they'd spray graffiti. Well, I just took it upon myself, my one man mission to remove that because a lot of times it was inappropriate kind of things or just gang related kind of symbols and so on. So I just, I would buy white paint in spray cans by the case at home Depot and I'd always have them in my car. So these guys would show up and spend four hours some night putting their graffiti on there with all their messages and things they wanted to share with the world and I'd show up the next morning and take me 10 minutes and I'd just totally obliterate it by spraying white paint on it. Well, there's a lot of places like that. That's just one of the many ideas, but you've got to, it may not be finding employment. You say you've got to have employment to live. You don't present a very pretty picture. If somebody gets a glimpse of even a little bit of what you've described here in making you an attractive candidate. Now I will say this though. You're 54 years old. I assume that you are responsible, that you follow through and do what you'll say. You know, that alone is a skill that employers are looking for again and again and again. Got some guys doing some work here in our property. And I was, uh, came back from being gone for several weeks and wasn't real thrilled about the progress that had been made. And I said, Hey, you know, what's up with this? And the lead guy, name is Clayton. Great guy. He says, I can't get people to show up. Doesn't matter what I pay them. He says they show up three days and then they're 15 minutes late. Then they're 30 minutes late, then an hour late. And then they just don't show up at all. He says, I can't get people to show up. Your ability to just be consistent, to be reliable is a real selling asset. So take a fresh look at it. Be clear on what it is, but also be creative about the things that you may do that don't require travel, going to an office, or transportation. And I think there's a whole lot of things that, that can be done in that space. Well, let me move on. Greg says, Dan, I'm okay, here we go again. I'm 54 years old, so unhappy with my work in corporate America for 30 plus years. I desperately want to make a change and pursue my gifts and passions. I'm not afraid of hard work. The biggest challenge I face in leaving the corporate world is losing health insurance for my family and dollar reduction. The good thing is that my wife supports me in making a change. 
I've worked from home 25 years and struggle with the idea of disrupting our lives, yet I don't want to keep doing what I do. I'm overwhelmed. We have no debt other than our home. We have savings. I guess I'm afraid to make a change. Your advice is appreciated. Thank you. Well, Greg, it sounds like you're in a great position to be in the driver's seat in making a change. Now, the only thing that you talk about as being your fear is losing health insurance and a dollar reduction and going out on your own. All right, let's take them one at a time. Now, I know that there's a whole lot of volatility right now because of health insurance. But because there's a whole lot of volatility, there's a whole lot of options. There are tons of new companies popping up out there. And there are different groups that are saying, hey, we're like-minded. Let's get together. We're going to essentially provide our own insurance. Where at the lower cost items, we just share expenses. You know, things like the Good Samaritan program. There's a whole lot of them like that out there. Where you pay a monthly fee that's very, very reasonable because you're sharing expenses at the lower end. There are options out there. It's been some while since I've gone and actually listed those. I probably need to update that. Uh, we do have some information available for people who want to move into the self-employment area about insurance, but it's a little outdated because of all the things that have happened in healthcare in the last couple of years. But just do a little bit of research on that. Here's the deal. Let's say that it costs you $1,000 a month for insurance. I mean, certainly it's available. I mean, unless you've got some major pre-existing condition, it's not hard to find. You can get it. It's just a matter of what does it cost. So let's say that it costs $1,000. Well, let's say now, now the other part of your equation is you say you're, you're afraid of the, the dollar reduction. Why would you expect that if you've been working for 30 plus years for a company and they've saw fit to pay you for your services there, you ought to be looking at an increase to go out on your own, not a reduction. If a company's going to pay you as an employee. You need to generate three to five times the amount of money that they're paying you. So if they're paying you $60,000 a year, you know, you're not bringing in $65,000. You're bringing in $180,000 or $200,000 for them to justify having you as an employee. So if you go out on your own, well, here's another simple example. Let's say that you're being paid $20 an hour as a graphic designer and you're working for a company making, you know, working 40, 40 hours a week. So you're making $800 a week. You go out on your own. You're not going to charge $20 an hour as a graphic designer. If you're any good at all, you're going to charge 50 to 75. There's that three to five time multiple. You're going to go up to that rate immediately. You ought to expect to increase your income going out on your own, not reducing it. So if you can, if you're making $60,000 a year now and you can take that to a hundred thousand dollars, could you in fact justify paying a thousand dollars a month for your own insurance? Well, of course that's $12,000. You'd still be way ahead. And I see people get trapped in corporate positions. Gee, I don't want to lose that insurance. And they stay in positions where they're being paid mediocre amounts and lose the opportunity to double and triple their income because they think that one thing is keeping them there. Believe me, anything that you have as a benefit translates into dollars, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's insurance, if it's a company car, if it's a 401k contribution, you know, retirement plan, whatever it is, it just translates into money. And if you have the opportunity to double or triple your income, why wouldn't you move in that direction? So be careful about your thinking about these reductions in moving out on your own. If you really believe that, then stay where you are. Stay there until you retire. I absolutely mean that. Don't go out on your own. If you believe that it's going to be a reduction 
in your productivity and income. Nope, stay where you are. But if you believe, in fact, that you could move into something higher, then create a plan and move into it. Well, hey, I'll take a breath here real quick. Got a few more questions to go. This is just a reminder that the kind of questions we're covering here come from you, the listeners. Love having them come in. It's still a highlight of my week to open that magical mailbox where I see all these questions that we can go through together, unpack, dissect, come up with great solutions so we can all move into higher levels of success. Just go to Ask Dan, the tab at 48days.com, and you can see a little opportunity there to submit your question or just Send it to me as an email. If you keep it short, the problem with some of the emails is they're extremely lengthy and don't get on here. But if you can keep it fairly short, just shoot it to askdan at 48days.com. Well, Daryl from San Antonio says, my daughter just graduated from high school. Though she's been mindful of finding a career, a vocation, a business, she's still not hearing or sensing any particular calling. She's the dainty type that doesn't want to try the military, so is planning to go to a local junior college for two years to complete the basics. Any advice? Thank you. Yeah, I've got advice. Rather than having her go to college to just try to figure things out, I don't think that's a realistic place to try to figure things out and experiment with what options would be. You, you can get information anywhere. And if it's only information that she's going to get, I mean, my goodness, I mean, you can jump online, take something through lynda.com or Udemy or someplace like that. You can get a lot of information, but I wouldn't take the time or the money to go to college to just try to kind of pass the time until you figured something out, some direction. I would instead jump into this thing we call life. I mean, travel, get a variety of jobs. We just joined. I just spent a month over in England. We talked to some of the most interesting kids from around the world. I mean, waiting tables at a little pub way out of the tip of the Isle of Wight, an island south of England. You know, we talked to a gal waiting tables. What are you doing here? Well, I'm just saving up money. And then I'm going to spend six months touring the United States. She's from Australia working in a pub in on an island in England, saving up money so she can tour the United States and she's going to do route 66. We, we made a nice little contribution to her travel fund because I thought it was such a cool idea, but I mean, that's what she's doing. We talked to a guy, we stayed at an Airbnb in England, right up on a bluff. And the guy who has the Airbnb is a paragliding instructor. So we get to watch it. I know I didn't go up, but I watched him take some people up. Just an amazing process. He has kids that work there on his property. They mow the grass, tend to the flower beds, greet guests, just help with odd jobs. And in exchange, they get free room and food. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, we were amazed at the people we ran into that did not have specific career plans but they're experiencing life to the fullest. And in the process, the exposure to a variety of things keep giving them more and more clarity. You know, this myth that we've got that gee, an 18 year old ought to be able to define what they're going to be doing 30 years from now. I mean, that's a bunch of garbage. And we need to give kids the opportunity, the flexibility, the freedom to experiment with some different things, knowing that this is an ongoing journey. I mean, most of the people that I see, 
in my coaching are people who made a decision very early and now they have DDS or JD or MD behind their name and feeling trapped because of that and wanting to make a dramatic change at 45 years old. What if we gave them five years in the beginning after high school to experiment, to give them more clarity? A lot of them would make better decisions that ultimately lead to a career that they invest time in. All right, let me see here. I've got just time for maybe one more. Okay, here, here we go. Okay, I want to do this one. Mike says, uh, Dan, I love your podcast. Boom, thanks. I do commission colored pencil portraits on the side to earn extra income. I love sharing my art and creating something that can evoke emotions in others. I've had some success locally via social media and old-fashioned word-of-mouth referrals. Lately, I've had several folks approaching me about doing something for them, but when I give them a quote, they get sticker shock and seemingly cannot believe that I charge what I do. The thing is, now again, he's doing colored pencil portraits. The thing is, I know I'm currently lowballing myself and charging less than I should so I can gain more clients and get additional exposure. I'm thinking now that I need to market to an audience that wouldn't question my fee, but not sure who that is or how to do it. Appreciate any advice you could get. Well, when it comes to art, there's, there's a thing called the Picasso principle and it comes from a story. Uh, don't, don't, don't hold me to the exact specifics, but in essence, a lady came up to Picasso, handed him a napkin, asked him to sketch something on, on the napkin. He did. He sketched something. I gave it back to her. She started to walk away and he said, no, wait a minute. That's going to, that, that cost you $10,000. And she was like, you got to be kidding me. You just took five minutes to do the sketch isn't $10,000 a lot of work for five minutes to which Picasso replied, the sketch may have taken me five minutes, but the learning took me 30 years. When you have something like pencil portraits that you're doing, it's not just the time involved. It's your expertise that you may have been refining for years and years and years. That should be priced differently. You can decide how you want to price that. One of the things that I have in that 48 lower no cost business ideas is caricatures. There's a guy named Tracy Latham here in Nashville and what he does, he does his sketches are just hilarious. They're caricatures. They're readily identifiable. He's got one of Joanne and me in a car that he did at an event. But what he does is he books himself, not with the customers, but with corporate clients who pay him he charges a hundred dollars an hour four hour minimum to show up at an event so a company's going to have a company party that's how i've run into him multiple times and they book tracy so he's there they pay him you know four or five hundred dollars to be there and he does just whatever he talks to people and get and does just whatever amount he's able to do in that period of time but the people getting it don't have to pay anything it is difficult to relate and quantify the value of something you're doing when it comes to art like that. But, um, wow. Well, a lot of you have art. I mean, there's an, I got another question here. Someone, Steven's son is supporting himself with film and photography, the same kind of thing. It's a linear income. And now he wants to do like little short three to five minute movies, but trying to figure out how to monetize that. You know, those are challenging questions, but you got to do be creative in how you position yourself to monetize those things. You can't just say it's X number of dollars an hour. That's what doesn't work. What you've got to do is figure out creative ways that you can price those. I mean, what makes a painting 
$3,000 instead of $30. You know, Ron Baldwin, who I've, I have a, one of his pieces here in my office, it's a $10,000 piece. Well, I know that it takes me about three hours to do it. It's very abstract, very bold, very colorful. Boom, three hours, it's about $10,000. It's very reasonable because he is a very proficient, skilled, talented, gifted artist. You got to position yourself as an artist, not just somebody who's putting in five minutes to do a little sketch. Price it accordingly. Well, I love these questions. We need, we need to do more dealing with the artistic side. How do you price things that are artistic? I mean, even when we're talking about speaking or consulting or coaching or writing or doing art or doing sculpting or music. I mean, those are all things. Um, I, I suppose we ought to dedicate a podcast to just those. You know, how do you take those creative things and then monetize them? Just came back from Podcast Moving, an amazing event in Chicago opportunity to meet a lot of people there and it's a question a lot of people are asking there gee i have a podcast well that's great what's your business and they look at me like a deer in the headlights what do you mean i got a podcast well that's not a business podcast is a marketing tool there has to be something behind that now there are exceptions but in general 99 percent of the time that's exactly the way that it is don't see a podcast as a business it's a marketing tool what is your business when you have an artistic kind of gift We need to position it creatively. You can do some creative things to help promote that, put you in a position people recognize you as an expert. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing community where we can think together, grow together, challenge each other, help each other, lift each other up. And in doing that, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.